Hey, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. This week, with the help of a tremendous resource and friend, Tyler Jeske, we have the privilege of releasing an entire week's worth of episodes, previewing the guests from Slugfest. Well, what is Slugfest? The mission of Slugfest is to provide the most comprehensive hitting specific coaching clinic in the country. The goal is to connect some of the most respected coaches at the highest levels of the game with youth and amateur coaches while providing the highest quality of hitting content to all coaches at all levels. Slugfest is a coaching clinic organized by coaches, for coaches, and in the spirit of not only teaching our players, but each other as well. Well, on today's show, we have the pleasure of speaking with Matt Lawson, who just completed his first season as the Missouri State Bears hitting coach and recruiting coordinator. Prior to that, Matt served as a volunteer assistant and student assistant coach, as well as a graduate manager. Matt was a 14th round draft choice of the Texas Rangers in 2007, advancing as far as AAA Columbus with the Cleveland Indians organization, hitting a career best 327 in 2012 with Class AA Akron. Lawson graduated with his bachelor's degree in psychology from Missouri State in 2015 before finishing a master's degree in sports management from MSU in the spring of 2017. Matt has played a pivotal role in one of the most successful stretches in Missouri State baseball history while working with the Bears hitters and infielders. And on the show, we talk about how to get our practices to look more game-like, how to help our players make adjustments, and the importance of remembering what it's like to be a player. Here is Matt Lawson. Matt Lawson, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, it's my pleasure to be on, Jonathan. Looking forward to talking hitting. Absolutely, and... So we're doing a preview of Tyler Jeske's Slugfest, and so I'm so excited to get you on the mic. And for our listeners that would like to, you know, what you're going to be talking about, do you mind giving us a preview of your presentation that you'll be presenting on at Slugfest? I'm going to talk more about team offense. I, you know, I go down the list of speakers at the Slugfest, and there's a lot of pro guys mm-hmm. uh, between Luis Ortiz and Jeff Albert and Dylan Lawson. Maybe even Jerry Weinstein and Jason, I mean, Jason Hart. So, you know, I think for the people in the audience who can relate, um, maybe to the younger crowd, like high school stuff or, or uh, even college coaches, I'm going to try and keep it towards team offense from all facets of that, from development to game management, player roles, things like that. No, I love that. And that's, that's really one of the main reasons I started. This podcast is I love player development and I love being in the team aspect, but I, you know, I feel like the team aspect sometimes gets lost in our high, our quest to be hyper individualized with our players. And, you know, so you being able to do that in the team setting, is that something that you guys pride yourselves in at Missouri State is just being able to develop each individual player within the team setting? No question. No question. That's, that's kind of the basis of our program. Everything from, who we choose to recruit, how many guys we recruit, the, the culture here from a relationship aspect, and then resources, uh, how we set up our practices, how we schedule our off-season um, skills, skills training. Everything's kind of geared towards getting individual players to their highest feelings and, and getting the best nine on the field and giving, a, giving our, uh, our team a, a chance to be highly successful and win games in the postseason. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And so for our listeners who, you know, may be on the fence about attending 
slugfest and, and, you know, making that final jump and, and purchasing tickets and flying down. Do you mind giving us one takeaway from your presentation that, you know, even the, the listeners that are listening right now can take something away from our conversation today? You know, what would that be? It would be the biggest thing that I've learned in my short time doing it is that I've got to be myself. And as I'm learning all this information from all these different people at a really rapid rate, being able to apply that to me and not trying to be somebody else. Sure. Um, and I, and I really think that there's a huge takeaway there. The more that I look at the, um, unique aspects of every team. Well, definitely. And, you know, hosting a podcast, I, I, I was talking to my coaches about this the other day that I get to hear so much great information. And so my, my issue is, is how do I apply it to my, to like our setting, to our team, to myself? And, and I absolutely think that that's a, that's a great takeaway. You can't do it all. I feel like, and I've, and I've tried to do, to do that in the past. Is, is that something that you've run into as well? Yeah. I think it's something that we're all going to be dealing with, um, as long as we're coaches, because there's always going to be revolutionary ideas and new resources and technology coming out. And, you know, the human aspect of the game is, is what makes the game special. Um, and it, and it gives players the ability to continue to develop for long periods of time. You know, even if we're learning things about the swing and, and, and biomechanics and technology, um, you know, if, if it doesn't apply to human, human nature, human beings and, and psychology of how we compete, then um, it may not apply exactly to us. So we always have to relate everything back to how does it, how can we make this apply in our system or, or even could it down the road in an individual um, circumstance? Is it going to apply to everything we do or, or could it apply uh, to something smaller, maybe just to an individual? No, that's awesome. And, and I love that. And so talk to us about when you really started to dig into, you know, the inner workings of the swing and, and how the best in the world hit. Now, was it, was that during your playing career or did you start to, to look at that stuff afterwards? It was in my playing career for sure. I played three years at Missouri State, uh, 2005 and 2007. And, you know, I think I hit 212 as a guy who had an opportunity to play as a freshman at Missouri State. And that wasn't, you know, good enough in my mind and we weren't good enough. And, um, so I, you know, started seeking out every resource I could to try and make myself better. And, um, and, you know, you get the pro ball in, in minor leagues and you're trying to keep your career going and, win more at bats and create more production and things like that. And so um, you, you're learning and then you're doing trial runs uh, as a player. And uh, if stuff doesn't make sense when you're competing, then it's pretty easy application process there that you can relate later on in your life back to coaching. Um, so I had a seven year minor league career and was able to come back and right out of that, get into coaching. And, um, you know, I think that that was, extremely valuable to our players because I could have kind of a unique relationship with them as a coach who, you know, knows what it's like um, to fail and, and, you know, have, have flaws and, and never have exactly the perfect swing um, for every person and always, you know, be com- combating the perfectionist that, that we all have in us and try and relate to them. And I, I try and never leave that yet. You know, every day that I coach, I'm going to get further away from being a player. And mm-hmm. I think it's very valuable to me. Uh, it's kind of a priority to me to try and not to lose sight of what it's like to be a player. 
And if you were going to say that uh, there's one thing to remember, would that be that it's it's extremely hard? Like it's extremely hard to hit. That would be the one my take my one takeaway from being a player back in the day. That the further that I get away from playing and and actually coaching, that that's that's the one thing that I have to constantly remind myself. There's no question that being consistently good is extremely hard. You know, and then there there are other times when things are clicking or you know something feels right, and all of a sudden it's way easier than it used to be, mm-hmm. or what you remembered it being. Um, and we go through these cycles as players where, you know, it's way easier today than it was yesterday, but then we get to tomorrow and now it doesn't feel like it did yesterday. And there's all these different perspectives. Um, and you know, as a, I think the biggest thing I learned as a pro player was figuring out the routine aspect of, and the professionalism aspect of, of, of being a hitter, um, and being able to take everything in stride, be able to have some clarity in, in what you value. So be clear in your fundamentals, I guess. Um, but then not be satisfied in your development at the same time. So have a little humility in, in preparation, but, but not get into the tinkering mode that's going to make things more complicated. No, for sure. And listening to you talk about that subject, it, it takes me to the dugout. Like that's that's what I'm thinking whenever you're talking about tinkering and thinking about it too much and, and things like that. So so if you don't mind, dig into a little bit of what you guys talk about during a game. So say say a guy is, is struggling against one guy, and, and this is a conversation that we've all had as coaches, is we've got a, a player that thinks too much or thinks not enough, and they come up and they say, hey, coach, what do you see? Or what am I doing wrong? It, it would obviously depend on the individual and, and what you guys had spoke, spoken about before the game and, and during practice and things like that, but you know, what would be your answer be to somebody in a situation like that? So right now with where we're at in our, you know, practice time, we're, we're in team practice. We had two weeks of skills groups, you know, right after school started. We've had four inner squads, one exhibition game. Um, we've got another few weeks left here of team practice before we get into skills groups. So there's a lot of what you just described going on right now because some of the new guys are just, only had a taste. Um, and so they know that they, they, they've had just enough to know that they need to get better. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some of the returning guys are ahead because they've been through the experiences of, of, you know, failing, needing to make adjustments and, and they've also been through the offseason stuff. So the relationship aspect is so important, uh, between the hitting coach and the hitter because under fire in the midst of competition, um, second guessing yourself and trying to, you know, seek out advice that you haven't heard before only clutters the mind. It's, it doesn't give you necessarily competitive advantage unless you've already been through it and you can hear something from a verbal cue standpoint, maybe, or, or something to get you grounded um, and give you something attainable to compete with um, that you can take you know, into the batter's box and somebody's trying to get you out with everything they've got. Sure. So from my perspective, in-game stuff needs to be like review, review based. Okay. It needs to be stuff that we're reiterating is within the basis of what our system entails. And there, there's a little bit of individuality to the game planning side of it um, based on our player roles and what our individuals do and what they're good at. And, and then the other aspect of it is the game requires us to make 
adjustments and adaptations uh, based on how they're trying to get us out. And yeah, we have to make adjustments as hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to recognize how they're trying to get us out. And they, it's not necessarily a, a, a massive swing adjustment that we're talking about. It's it's more of an approach based adjustment that that's aligned with what our strategy is. And I know that's very very general, but if we haven't if we haven't built the swing in a way that, that gives us the ability to adjust, um, I think that we're missing out maybe in how we're developing the, the swing. It's got to be an athletic movement that has the ability to adjust, the ability to you know be on time and rhythm on plane. But we've also got to be able to make decisions, and we've got to be able to attach explosive movements to those decisions. And those decisions are kind of rehearsed. And that, that's development. That's practice. We've, we've got to have done it before. Mm, that's good. No, and that leads me right into my next question, which, you know, we're, we're going to have some listeners that are like Coach Lawson. It, I, I may be new in the game or I may just want to know what you look for in a swing. So do you mind going over some things that if you're out on the recruiting trail or if you get some guys in from the summer, what are some different things that you're looking for in regards to just the swing? Yeah, I mean, the same things that I look for in our hitters, understanding that, you know, our hitters have a, a lot more repetitions under their belt than, than guys I'm looking out on the recruiting trail. But, you know, how guys, how guys command their at bats, it's huge to me because it, from the time that they're, you know, walking to the plate, you know, in the on deck circle and, and kind of separating the beginning of, of their at bat from, from the first pitch of their bat and how they get their signs and step in the batter's box shows me, you know, the ability to slow the game down and control pace and, you know, things like that that you see guys in the big leagues do and, and really good college hitters do. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we take for granted, but then that can be developed as well with maturity and, you know, mentorship, I think. Um, but from an athleticism standpoint, uh, there's got to be, there's got to be strengths. With that being said, not everybody's going to be able to hit the ball 100 miles an hour, even within our roster. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's strength is is to do that, and you know we want to we want to recruit guys who have an explosive ability, but some of the guys' explosive ability may be more towards the running side of it. Some of the guys' explosive ability may not be towards the running side of it. Sure, but the player role, the communication, the swing, the intention, the approach. That stuff goes into account with the with the player's ability level is so that that's competitiveness I guess is, sure. is finding that competitive advantage um, and so when you're watching guys play and from a recruiting aspect you're you're watching guys produce mm-hmm. you're, you're watching you're you're looking at the the general competitiveness of of how can they how can they find ways to win pitches win at bats um, and then project that so bat speed's huge um, and you know the same things. Uh, that we already discussed a little bit in terms of uh, rhythm, playing, timing, even even something as simple as one and two strike pitches. Mm-hmm. Not that you're going to win all of them, but you want to find guys who know how to win, whether it's win pitches or win games. Uh, doesn't you know that there's a lot that goes into winning. Absolutely. Now you mentioned earlier that you really started to dig into you know a, a lot of different resources throughout your playing career. And so taking those into account and then some of the resources that you've really dug into lately, what are, what are some of your favorite things that have really shaped your coaching career, whether it be people 
or books or just Twitter or, or whatever. So if you don't mind, just throw out a couple of resources that, that you really like and that, that our listeners can start to uh, start to dig into. Yeah, no, it's, it's all of the above there. Um, people, <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind and that's watching a lot of players um, when they're young are going to be exposed to some type of mentorship. And, and for me, it was my dad, you know, and, and he was exposed to watching players um, on TV and trying to emulate them. And, you know, so that, you know, for, for us as coaches, sometimes that's watching video and trying to see which, which player in our roster looks like that guy mm-hmm. and trying to kind of have, you know, trying to fit everybody into the mold of a particular guy, but trying to match some guys with some similar characteristics and, and then finding the micro moves within that player's style and movement, um, movement characteristics that, that are similar to another player. So, and then you can, you know, point some of that stuff out because not, you know, especially student athletes, they don't have the time to do that on their own at all times. So, sure. um, video is huge for me from, from a resource standpoint, but then from a philosophical standpoint, um, and, and even a creativity standpoint, being able to read, read books on psychology and read books on like a big one for me from a development standpoint, the, the decision making pro- process, because you know, if there's two things that we can control in hitting, it's that we take our best swing at a good pitch to hit and pitch selection is, is a major component there. And so how can we, you know, hit, eliminate the swing and just talk about the decision making process, process and uh, being able to have the right perspective on uh, what our eyes are telling us. So looking into some of the science of that in the off season, you know, kind of taking our, our offensive development system where it is now. And then talking with, with people who are willing to give up information uh, and share, share information. So I love that. And talk to us about your own learning and, you know, what's something that you've learned lately that's gotten you really excited or something that you're, that you're, uh, that you're trying now? I'm exposing players within our offense to things that are challenging to them that I think are going to, you know, in time make us better. So the idea that, we need to be working towards things that are just out of our reach. And then when, when we, when I see them attaining those small goals, moving that, that challenge forward. So I'm, I'm looking for the right progression. Um, it's from a decision making standpoint, you know, that the, the initial challenge, especially for young hitters is the pace of the pitch. So the, the velocity adjustment, uh, to college baseball to where 90 is kind of every day. And then. The addition of the secondary pitches, and that's 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 a complete game changer to a lot of them, because mm-hmm. um, you know this this summer a lot of them you know facing low to mid nineties was was a really big deal, and then you you see that fairly consistently once you get onto campus with the addition of of the off speed stuff. So you know the approach the approach stuff is based on the decision, and so for us we're like I kind of touched on earlier. A major component of our offensive practice is both is based on decision training, mm-hmm. um, and so because I don't want their decision to be secondary to their swing, especially when we're in competitive mode, I, I'm trying to separate the swing from the decision. So we're doing a lot more decision training without the swing involved, to where we're verbalizing the decision. Okay, if that makes sense. Um, so. What, what I mean by that specifically is I'll have guys in the bullpen during batting practice, um, with, with another coach with them down there and I'll have a strike zone net set up and 
and we'll have color coded baseballs or we'll have numbered baseballs and, and, and they'll have a task at hand that, that they need to achieve, whether they're saying yes or no based on strike or ball. And we may do that rapid fire or we may do it with fastball, curveball mix. So we may do it with every mix. Mm-hmm. We may do it from some different distances. Um, and then, you know, in contrast to ball or strike task, we could do like, um, whatever they want to hunt. So like in a leverage count, non two strike count that would be their task to say yes or no to. Um, and then there's a time timing component to that too, where they have to make that decision quick enough to give themselves a chance to be on time with their barrel. So they would do that like in the round prior to, they would, they would do that like in the round prior to their uh, batting practice round. So it would be part of our batting practice service. Uh, is that something that you guys measure as well, just to, to try and hold them accountable? Yeah, to a, to a certain degree. So, Ways that we can measure that are we can progress. Um, say a guy's got, say a guy's got the opportunity to complete three rounds of decision training. If he passes a certain percentage of those correctly, then he can progress. And if not, he needs to stay right there. So, um, his progression could be based on his, um, his correct answers, I guess. So if I think that something's too easy for them, they're getting too many right, then we need to progress that forward. Oh, definitely. And. And I love that. And so, you know, I just remember doing the same thing whenever I was in high school. And I remember, you know, it, it was just one of those that, that you were just, you had to do it because you had to do it. And it wasn't fun. And it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't something that you enjoyed doing because half the time with high school kids that you're, they're going to almost drill you every, every, so every couple pitches. And so I'm trying, I love the idea and I love the aspect of it. And, it definitely is better for pitchers and hitters the more that they can they can have batters standing in and and for you to be able to actually see live pitches but i'm you know as you as you are going through that i'm thinking okay well maybe i can have somebody standing around that's charting how many they get right or get wrong or just something that that just makes them lock in a little bit more cuz high school kids are squirrely at times and so anything that i can measure and uh, and report back or anything that they can see that they can try and beat I want them to be able to do that and to be able to flip that competitive switch like you were mentioning earlier. Yeah, I mean, I think is, is what you're talking about kind of tracking during bullpen sessions? Yes. What I And we're going to do that. Um, right now we're getting a ton of live APs, so we don't have a – I don't think we have time for that or pitches left in our pitchers' arms for that because it's throwing a lot in games. But we're doing it from, I would say, 20, 20 to 25 feet with the – a coach throwing and he may have five balls in his hand and, and like it's really rapid fire and going fast. So we're trying to go kind of an overspeed training with that. Okay. You know, and, and then something that, that we've done in the past is there's a lot of op- op- opportunity for decision training if we value that. You know, if you think it's important, then there's, there's opportunity for decision training focus in, in a lot of drills that we do. But, mm-hmm. There's really infinite ways to do it, even from front toss stuff and say, like, anytime I flip a two seam, I want you to take it to where a guy, you know, the immediate impact on that is the guy's hitting position is going to be improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're going to use their stride with more purpose at that point, you know, and, and then all of a sudden players seem to be a little bit more aware of changes to plane and speed, uh, speed changes and, and things like that. Um, and that's, Strictly from a, like I said, from a decision training perspective. And, and I really think that whatever as an offense that we value, we're going to be good at. Mm-hmm. So whatever we spend a lot of time on, whatever we 
uh, say is, is one of our staples, we're going to be good at. So we have to identify what, what's important to us. And so the second thing that I talk about uh, in terms of things that we're trying is some differential learning from a trajectory standpoint. So, you know, I think a lot of guys, uh, hitting coaches who, who study and listen to experienced coaches talk, um, are familiar with like an external focus during training, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to a mechanical internal focus. And so, you know, during batting practice rounds, I think an external focus is prevalent. And so we don't do a ton of uh, situational hitting instead. We'll do more trajectory based intent during within the rounds. Okay. So we'll take rounds where the first half of the batting practice round would be uh, a flat trajectory or a lower trajectory um, within what's acceptable. And then maybe the second half of the round would be a higher, further resulted batted ball. So specifically, if I'm hitting it um, in terms of height, between the bottom bar of the L screen to the top bar of the L screen, I'm hitting between zero to 18 degrees, mm-hmm. uh, depending on where the pitch is thrown, um, and depending on how far away you are from the pitch, from the L screen. And then if I'm hitting it over the top of the L screen, and it depends on how high you're hitting it, but for us, it's between about 20 to 40 degrees is what we're shooting for. And, you know, even Gary Ward a long time ago was talking about like guided ball light zones mm-hmm. in terms of production to where we can quantify those without necessarily having the exact launch angle uh, at, like immediately on the field to where we know or a player w- would have an idea of what a three through a five flight zone would mean from the bottom bar for us to the top bar of, of the L screen. And that could go to any part of the park um, as where a six, seven or eight out of 10 would be some, you know, something that's probably going out of the infield for sure. And then, you know, possibly over the fence. I think that makes players more aware of the plane of their swing and they can attach that to, you know, their approach. The biggest difference there uh, in terms of application to some higher technology or higher, um, I guess, higher analysis on, on scattering reports is We've got a guy who's a low spin rate fastball. Obviously, there's going to be a little more sink at the end of it. There's going to be a little more movement at the end. It's going to feel a little heavier in, in contrast to a higher spin fastball. Um, we're going to have to be a little shorter to contact. Um, and that's very general, but that could be the difference in the lower trajectory fielder in batting practice at a lower VLO mm-hmm. and the difference in uh, how tight we're going to keep our swing versus like right here, I want to try and hit this over an outfielder's head. I, like I really want to match playing on on something that's uh, got got a higher approach angle for, out of the pitcher's hand. I think that that makes the communication a little easier. So instead of me having to talk mechanical, even in games with hitters, I, I can kind of talk to them about being a little shorter of the baseball like we were when we were hitting a little lower. Go ahead. I want you to hit this higher right here mm-hmm. and, and, and not getting them on time to do that. No, I love that. Any, anything that we can take a take a concept and make it simpler to understand, uh, especially for the players that are trying to, you know, trying to perceive so much information that we're throwing at them all the time. I, 
I'm always in for that. But, you know, before you go, I, I would love this is my favorite question that I ask because, you know, we're, we're in it for the kids and we always want to try and make it fun as as much fun as possible while still competing every single day. But what's something that you guys do in practice that your players can't get enough of and that they they just love? You know, and I've talked to our players about this because I've heard you ask this question on your mm-hmm. podcast before. And, and it's always asked individually at times. Um, and it's a different answer for every guy. So, you know, some guys will talk about doing things before practice on their own time mm-hmm. that they really enjoy doing. And then eventually that becomes part of their routines, I think. Okay. And then other guys, you know, I've had some guys say they, they really like doing like tape at stuff, uh, offset. They really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and guys are going to enjoy something that makes their swing feel good. It, at least at our level, they do. They, they enjoy doing things that, that make them feel prepared, that make them feel like their time is valuable and being used to make them better, like directly to them. When we do mix rounds, um, and this is something our guys I've realized like here in the last few weeks, they like it when I tell them how many, uh, breaking balls I'm going to throw. Okay. So if I've got, if I'm giving them a round of let's say eight pitches, and I'm only gonna throw two curveballs. They don't know when they're coming, but they're like, I'm only gonna throw two. Because I think there's a there's an ability for a hitter to recognize patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can practice that. So if I tell a guy that I'm only gonna throw two curveballs and then I've I've thrown my two curveballs by the sixth pitch, then he knows the last two pitches are gonna be fastball. It's equivalent of, of cheating fastball a little bit. Um, and I think we can see that play out in games at times. Um, we have to have the ability to recognize patterns and see how pitches are thrown. And so um, I've had guys say, man, I really like that. that. That made me feel like practice was very game-like today. So things like that. And then and then being able to use some some variable training tools like underloading head, uh, head-loaded bats. And, you know, so Eugene kind of showed me some stuff with tennis rackets and foam rollers and you know, doing stuff on some balance pads and um, we've, we've got a lot of, for whatever reason, I guess because we're in the Midwest, we've got a lot of guys who have played hockey and so we're doing things with hockey sticks and things like that. It's very, it's, it's always, uh, fluid or training. We're never like doing the exact same thing from week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the wintertime. So I don't think we do the same thing enough to where our guys need like fun, quote, you know, quotations around this, but like fun days because sure. I think every day is pretty fresh. No, I, I love that answer, and and I think that that's you know that's that's fantastic, and th- I love that you listen to the podcast too, and you uh, you're prepared for that question as well. But I also love that you mentioned that you guys are doing so much new stuff that they don't really need. You don't like there's not one thing that comes to mind for everybody, and I, and I think that that speaks to to you as as a as a coach and your coaching staff as well. But you know, uh, if you don't mind, you know, before you go, can, where can our listeners get in touch with you? And, you know, what's the best form of, of contact for you if they have any questions? Yeah, no, I love answering questions um, about our program and, and getting information about our program out there. Um, my email address is Matt Lawson at Missouri State. Um, just email me. Um, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter, um, but, you know, I usually just forward stuff. Um, I don't put out a ton of stuff. Um, through there just because there's so many good ideas from other people that I feel like um, it's such a, a great learning resource on social media that, that I'm so busy reading what other pe- people are putting out. But uh, yeah, just email me, uh, anybody that wants to talk hitting or anything that we're doing. Awesome. And I will make sure I link those down in the show notes for you guys. But 
Matt, I, I appreciate yeah. you coming on the show and I thought you, you know, you brought it today and it was, it was absolutely fantastic. But is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to talk about Slugfest a little bit more. Um, go ahead. Slugfest, you know, and, and this is Tyler's baby. Um, and, and I've known Tyler for a long time and, mm-hmm. and he's always, um, he's, he's kind of like, kind of like me and he's not a hitting coach. Um, but he's, you know, one of the best resources for me as a hitting coach, uh, because of the wealth of information that he can create and, mm-hmm. and that he seeks out. And, uh, when he started talking to, talking to the idea of doing something like this uh, a few years back, he realized that Missouri State was, was geographically in a great region for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're like two to three hours away from Kansas City, from St. Louis, Northwest Arkansas, Tulsa, uh, right in the center of the country. Um, and so geographically we're, we're in a place where a lot of coaches can, can get to us. You know, Slugfest is not a, a Missouri State clinic by any means. It's, it's an opportunity for us to further our university's, um, public affairs mission by, um, bringing in people to our facility that, that have different information than, than just me, mm-hmm. um, or Coach Gutton. Um, and so there's a lot of information we had from attending, uh, this thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing all the speakers at this thing. And I'm really excited to show off our facility too. Um, you know, we're hosting it in a, in our 12,000 square foot indoor facility. And so it gives us the ability not only have a stage and, and speakers up on stage, but to put the people in the crowd, um, kind of interacting with the coaches so that, um, everybody who's going to be speaking uh, at Slugfest is going to get down in the cages and, and you know, actually show off drills and, and interact with, with the crowd, um, with some hitters. And, um, there's going to be a lot of questions being answered and a lot of communication. And um, I can't imagine a better way to, to do it than to have a cage right there with a hitting coach and a bunch of people around watching the coaches be in their element. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.